Well, hello, hello, hello. This is Denise Cooper, and you've tuned in to another edition of Closing the Gap. But this one is very special. Season four is upon us, and I can't believe that we've already had four seasons, some 60-plus episodes of Closing the Gap. Well, I started Closing the Gap to tell simple yet powerful stories, and it is the power of stories that turns managers into leaders, that inspires people to move from average performance to exceptional performance. And my podcast that you're listening to today and the past episodes and the ones to come are going to be filled with more stories of how you can close the gap. You know, stories are so powerful. I was a young HR person working at a manufacturing plant in Muscatine, Iowa. And for those of you who don't know, Muscatine, Iowa is not quite the haven of where a lot of black folks lived at the time. In fact, they boasted maybe there were 25 families and I made number 26. I was working at the chemical plant there. And one of the things that happened is the CEO of the company had decided that he wanted to eliminate accidents throughout all of the plants. And there were probably 20 to 30 of these chemical plants manufacturing various kinds of things. At the time, it was I was 33 years old. It was the 80s, and the idea of actually eliminating accidents was well, um, kind of a fairy tale, a wish, a vision that no one really ever thought could be achieved. Well, here I was, very young in my job. In fact, it was my first HR job at a plant where there were some 200 workers, and for the most part, they were men who were, I would say, six foot good salt-of-the-earth people, fathers, brothers, cousins, but still typically men who worked at the plant, making sure that all the processes worked, that there were no releases, because at the chemical plant, if you don't know, if you make a mistake, you can eliminate a species. Anyway, I was tasked with, how are we going to do this? And as a member of the safety team heading it up under the HR department, I remember the meeting clearly. We were in a small office. I had a window on my right side. I was sitting behind the desk. And we were bouncing around ideas on how in the world we were going to change the minds of a group of men who had worked at the plant on average 15, maybe 20 years, and who really didn't believe that the elimination of an accident was a possibility. Well, in the middle of bantering back and forth, we had come up with a program previously about recording near misses because the CEO had believed that near misses was God's way of rescuing us from ourselves. And so one of the safety people said, what if we take pictures and video at the company picnic? At that time, we still did company picnics by the children of the people who worked in the plant. And we were only going to ask them one question. And that question is, what is it that you love doing with your daddy that nobody else can do with you? Seems like a simple question, right? We 
We videotaped it. We saw the moms. We asked the moms. We asked the wives. We asked the children. We asked whoever they brought, the employees brought to the picnic. Tell us, what does it mean to have this person in their life? What is it that they bring to you that nobody else did? Well, you know, the picnic ended. Everybody went back to work, and my safety crew and what and, and uh, other people in the plant that were on the safety team came and they began to cut the video and came up with a pretty nice video that lasted about 15, maybe 20 minutes. I hadn't seen the video. And so the first time I saw the video was when we put it in the cafeteria and uh, it was probably 30 people in the cafeteria at the time. It wasn't very big. We ate in shifts and it was actually third shift and that was about 7 p.m. in the evening that was there and eating. And uh, so suddenly I heard nothing. And then I heard, God, I can't believe they take that. I thought, oh my God, what did we do? I ran into the cafeteria, I watched the video, and here was the video of this little boy who must have been, I don't know, maybe eight years old. He was the son of one of our senior operators. And I, and you know, it was Gary, and Gary was maybe 6'2", probably, I don't know, 280, 290 pounds, guy in his mid-40s, maybe early 50s, blonde hair, blue eyes, all-American guy, probably was the quarterback at the high school. But now he'd grown a little older, had a little bit of a pudge, wasn't quite as muscular, but he was definitely, as a senior operator, one of the guys that was a leader, it was his son. And he, his kid was looking into the video saying, my daddy and I go out and we play ball and we have so much fun. And he tells me stories of when he was a kid and it just makes me feel so good. And he looked right into the camera and says, I love my daddy. I would miss him if he wasn't here. I gotta tell you, it was so quiet in that cafeteria, which normally, there was lots of chatter and people were microwaving their food, etc. And then I looked around and here were these guys, men. Some had their hands over their face and others I could see the tears welding up. Others shedding tears as they saw their children, as they saw their wives, as they saw their loved ones talk about how incredibly important they were in their life. That the gift that they gave was their mere presence. Well, that was the one we ran in and we ran that tape, which was about 15, 20 minutes, you know, for a week. And I have to tell you, those stories changed everybody's attitude about whether or not we were gonna to commit to no accidents. Where before, the longest we'd ever gone was maybe a year, year and a half without an accident. Now remember, we were counting near misses now, and we were recording them as accidents. We went almost two and a half years without an accident in that plane. And even when we had to record, we only recorded a near miss. The stories moved them 
to commit to doing what seemed like an impossible thing. Stories are powerful, and that is the reason why I give my all every time I interview a guest who is an expert in an area to help them connect the dot by telling a story that changed them from an unbeliever to a believer. And so if you're a leader, that's what you want to be doing. You want to be understanding how do you turn your people from unbelievers into believers. I remember also another story that I'd love to tell you. And this is a test for you. Ask yourself now, when was the first time you realized that you were a leader, that you could influence someone to do something else, and that it meant something to do it? Well, my first time, I had just been put in the position of VP of HR. I was working for a gas company. Now, up until then, I've had one or two people reporting to me. I've been over human resources, business partners, etc. But this was the first time that the entire function reported to me. And I had come from a culture where people sat around, we kind of brainstormed ideas, thought about things, and then we landed on one and then moved on. Well, I, I thought that's what leadership was because that's how I had been taught and those are the kinds of people that I was in front of and my bosses at previous employers that all done that. And so I did the same thing in front of my department. And I remember having a staff meeting where we were just brainstorming. I was saying, well, what if this or what if that? Or how about if we could change this or change that? And then I left the meeting not really thinking about it anymore until my administrative assistant came into my office. Now, I'm 5'1". Shirley was about, I don't know, 5'8", five, 5'10". Five, she had been at the, at the gas company probably 15, 20 years. And she sat down and she said, do you know what you did at staff meeting? And I was like, uh, ask people to do some work, give reports. No, I don't really. She said, do you know everybody's out there working on a project that, an idea that you gave and they turned it into a project, project, which was taking up time and energy and, and bandwidth in the department. Did you intend for everybody to be doing that? Because they sent me in here to make sure that they could present this idea at the next staff meeting so that you would like it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, well, you were, you know, telling them about all these things that you thought were possible. And so they're out there trying to make it happen. And I went, oh my God, I was just brainstorming with them. I didn't expect them to do everything. And she looked at me and said, well, they're out there working overtime to try and make this happen. Now I'm a young leader. You know, I've been there maybe all of a month. These folks didn't know me, I didn't know them, but I had generated work and it was at that moment I realized that when you get into a role, particularly a role that's classified as a vice president, people don't always ask good questions of you. They make assumptions that you know what you're talking about and what you're doing. And that if you're brainstorming an idea, if you're not clear in your communication about it, then they assume that that's exactly what you want. The problem is, is that because they didn't ask me the, what is it that it would look like if it were done? Is this something that we should be working on? They assumed that by my talking about it, I actually wanted it. 
but they also didn't know what I wanted. What I wanted was a team that would help me think through the problems, come up with solutions, and then after we brainstorm and looked at it from multiple ways, then we sit down and decide on something. Well, I had to unravel that, but it taught me a valuable lesson that even though I might see myself as being very ordinary, others don't. Poise, presence, it equals power. Influence is your ability to persuade people to do things. And sometimes it comes from roles that you play, the title that you have, and sometimes that influence comes because you tell persuasive arguments. But either way, it affects the performance and perception of other individuals. And you have to watch what is it that you're teaching each other. Which reminds me of another story. Did you know that we teach each other how to be with each other? I was in, a man in another manufacturing plant. It was a plastics plant. And my boss, hmm, he, was, he turned out to be a really good boss, and um, his name is Don. And over time, we really developed a great relationship. But Don was probably, I don't know, 5'11 to 6 foot, dark hair, dark eyes, a real white man. Oh, the comment, a real white man, um, it's in my book, Remarkable Leadership Lessons, Change Results, One Conversation at a Time. Oh, I know, it was a cheap plug, forgive me but I digress. And he had this thing where he was a grammar major. And so whatever I sent him, a report, a memo, whatever it is, he would take a red pen. And if you've ever had a teacher who loved a red pen, he'd mark it up and edit it and put a check here and put a check here and he'd give it back to me. And he'd have all these red marks on it. Well, you know, I took that for, I don't know, maybe five or six times. And then I decided, well, if he likes doing this, then I'm going to let him do it. And so I continued to send in my work. And at the time, we were, I, was, um, I was also the contact for the union. So all my briefs had to be proofed by him, or at least read by him, and then read by the attorneys back in uh, St. Louis at our corporate office. And he came in one day, he says, I want to give you some feedback. And he sat down across from me. And he said, um, I've noticed the quality of your writing has just really gone down. And he says, this is not acceptable. And I think we really need to send you to a school where you're going to learn grammar. Now, imagine my first thought. A young black woman, in my head, thought goes in of, oh, you think black folks can't write. But I took a deep breath and I looked at him and I said, well, Don, here's the thing. I don't think it would ever matter what I wrote because I think you enjoy the red pen. And I figured it was a better use of my time for me to write out the brief as best I could, give it to you so you can edit it and then do it rather than me trying to do it better than I had done in first draft, maybe the second draft in terms of what I give to you. Why would I ever want to spend that time when I know I got you to do my editing? The look on his face was priceless. I didn't recognize what he was thinking, but I could tell that it sunk in to him. The lesson from that is we teach each other how to be with each other. 
ask yourself, what are the lessons that you are teaching others by what you say and what you do? Because none of us can read minds, so we don't know the intention. I had no idea that his intention was to help me write better. All I saw was his behavior, which was to red pen and criticize everything I did. Without the benefit of ever talking to me about what he was thinking. We teach each other how to be with each other. This podcast, Closing the Gap, is really about helping you understand how you show up, how can you step up, and how can you be a better leader. And we take things, the idea of leadership, which is this big thing, and we break it down into smaller pieces. And each week, we have a guest who can take a piece of what it means to be a powerful leader, a remarkable leader, and then move it to the next step, move you to the next step. So season four is filled with people who are experts in their area and are ready to share with you their lessons. And hopefully, you'll be able to take something away, improve the impact of your leadership, and find that you too are closing the gap. We've got guests who will show you how to grow professionally and personally, how to be resilient, to come back from a setback. One of the things that we know holds people back is their relationship with money. So we brought in an expert on money so that they can teach you how to achieve your dream and stop wishing that you win the lottery so that you have the kind of retirement, the kind of relationship with money that gives you the freedom that you so desire. There's lots of talk about being allies and accomplices in the workplace, in the area of diversity, inclusion, and equity. But we've got an expert to come in and talk to about what are the actual behaviors of when you can be an ally and when you can step in to be an accomplice. And what does that mean for you and your career? I've got a question from our last podcast about generational gaps. I know, it's kind of weird. And the, the person who sent it said, Denise, I don't understand this new generation. They don't seem to want to work. They don't seem to want to be engaged. Well, I happen to have a couple people who are in that Z generation working for me, and I set up an interview, a podcast with them, and asked them, tell us, from your perspective, what is it that you want us to know about you? It is a fascinating story. I hope you'll tune in and listen for it. And he also, we're going to move into, as you heard me just say, the power of change, of changing someone's mind is really in your ability to tell the story. That's what closing the gap is. If you think of it as gap, it is about G, the goal. We help you figure out what the goal is going to be, what the dream is, but from the dream, what can you turn into reality? And then we activate both your internal desire and those who you need to follow you, support you, mentor you, help you make your dream, your goal a reality. And then from there, we teach you how to turn your potential into performance that will accelerate your ability to deliver. That's my goal for this podcast. If you like it, please help me continue this work. Do two things. There's an old saying, you have not because you ask not. 
And I know that I've, I've had this opportunity to talk to people and they say, oh, I can never send you an email. I can never talk to this person. Well, I'm available to you. One, send me your questions. You can reach me on my website, remarkableleadershiplessons.com. And there's a contact page there. Just put your name in there and the question that you might have. And the other place that you can support me is that if you're listening to this via podcast, go and check that you're following me or leave me a review. It helps us get the word out. Even if you don't like what you hear in a particular episode, because at the end of every episode, I say, if you like it, share it. If you don't share it, it is because I guarantee it will generate a conversation that will help you close the gap. So with that, I can't wait for next week's podcast. It's going to be awesome. And what's the topic? Oh, I'm going to leave that up. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to my podcast, for supporting me. And again, I thank you for just being my friend. And with that, it's a wrap.